them cigarettes down. So now my little cousin smoking them cigarettes now. His job try to claim that he too niggerish now. Is it cause his skin blacker than licorice now? I can't figure it out. Stick in the now. In Mississippi, a white father and son have both been arrested, charged, and let out on bail after allegedly shooting at an African-American FedEx driver. Brandon Case is charged with attempting to cause bodily injury with a firearm, and his father, Gregory Case, is charged with conspiring with Brandon to commit aggravated assault. DeMontario Gibson says he was trying to find an address while delivering packages for his job at FedEx when he says he was chased and shot at by the Case's the bullets hitting his work van. And some began to say the threats, or talk about the threats that were out. Yeah. Uh, what would happen to me from some of our sick white brothers? Martin Luther King Day, which I totally forgot it was Martin Luther King Day. Um, I came into work on January 21st, and I put my items in my desk as I normally do, purse, bag, put that away. And I saw um, something standing up on my desk, this object, and called my recruitment coordinator in and said, is this what I think it is? And we're both just standing there and we're heads sideways and, well, we really don't know anything about guns, but we think that that's a bullet. And so um, at that point she said, Dow, don't touch anything. Let's get out of this office. Let's call security. She walked out the door first, and as I walked out the door, behind my door, um, it was written, leave nigger or die. Air rage has unfortunately become all too common. I've lost count the times I've been insulted or threatened on a flight simply for doing my job. The specific incident that I will share today is not easy to talk about. On this flight, my crew had just completed our service. My colleague on the verge of tears came to the galley after a passenger who refused to wear a mask had been giving her a hard time. I left the galley to speak with the passenger. Politely, I asked, sir, would you please put your mask on? It must be covering both your mouth and nose. He looked at me and I will not repeat the epithet he used. He said, N-word, I don't have to listen to a damn thing you say. This is a free country. I was completely taken aback. I didn't know what to say. But he continued, you heard me, N-word boy. Spirit police. Hey, this is 911. Yeah, can I help you? This is Omar Thornton, the, uh, the shooter over in Manchester. Yes, where are you, sir? I'm in the building. Uh, you probably want to know the reason why I shot this place up. This place here was a racist place. Yep, I understand they that. Me, uh, they treat me bad over here. and treat all other black employees bad over here, too. So I think it's my own hands and uh, handle the problem. I wish I, I wish I could have got more of the people. Nigga, get a job. I got two. You can't get one. Context of white supremacy. Gusty Renegade, a worthless Negro, 
from Virginia saying that one forever homage to Zachariah Walker. Uh, today's date, Wednesday, May 11, 2022. So I have been told number one, our guest for the program this past Monday, Dr. Dennis B. Downey, his book on the lynching of Zachariah Walker. Number one weapon of white supremacy racism is they lie. This might even be an example of thinking of the term gaslighting since we're talking about the workplace. I asked him a question because he didn't include a footnote in a section of his book. And then I also asked him the similar section. He did not include armed black resistance in Coatesville, Pennsylvania, where they were going to attempt to lynch another black male in the same Pennsylvania town where they lynched Zachariah Walker in 1911. Dr. Downey White Man, he lied about the footnote, which I said like, hey, I'm holding the book right here, page number and everything. There's no footnote. And you didn't include any information about armed black resistance. And he lied and he said, oh, yes, it is. It's in there. I included two examples. It's in chapter one and chapter two. Hey, I got no problem doing my diligence. I went back and looked at chapter one and chapter two. And even then I said, hey, this book is chronological. Like it goes in the order of the lynching. It would be odd to have random tidbits just thrown in here. But there is zero mention. And that is important because that is widespread in the system of white supremacy where black counter violence, armed resistance to racism, white supremacy is consistently obfuscated, deleted, minimized. That's why it is significant. Denmark Vesey, Nat Turner, the Stono Rebellion in South Carolina, since we're talking about that area, uh, Akinyele Umoja's book, We Will Shoot Back, former guest on the program, Charles E. Cobb Jr., member of SNCC and former guest on the program, his book, That Nonviolent Stuff Will Get You Killed. In fact, they're doing the 75-year anniversary of World War II veteran Jackie Robinson, his first season in Major League Baseball. Now, you want to talk about workplace racism. Retired firefighter pointed out the lie. Jackie Robinson is not the first black person to play professional Major League Baseball. The first black player was Moses Fleetwood Walker, who even wrote a book about his experience, a treatise on the past, present, future of the Negro in America. Now, you know that one is coming to the book club and we theorized maybe they don't want you to know about Moses Fleetwood Walker because he killed a white man in self-defense and was acquitted for it. They would much rather talk about Jackie Robinson and wow, he didn't swing back than Moses Fleetwood Walker. Incidentally, Jackie Robinson, that is a whole episode of workplace racism. Wow, we're going to kill you and your entire family because you got this job. The audio segment that you heard to begin with. Anytime we talk about workplace racism, this is serious. Why is this so serious? Demonterio Gibson, and that's recent, that's from this year, 2022. Black male FedEx, I could have picked a gabillion different cases of black delivery drivers being threatened 
terrorized, shot at. I just picked the one with Demontario Gibson because this young black male, he was shot at and chased by a white father and son duo. Then FedEx sent him back out on the same route with the same vehicle the very next day with the bullet still rattling in the van. The second segment that we heard, Dow Tucker. Now, this is one, the cows, we've been on the air for 13 years. I said, let me see if I can find that segment where Dow Tucker was on the news talking about the racism she experienced in Oregon. (laughs) Oh, my gosh, that's right. Dow Tucker was a guest on the cows in 2013. I'm so glad that I got my segment instead because Dow Tucker said, I forgot this incident happened on Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s holiday. What incident happened? Someone at the hospital left a bullet on my desk and a sign that said, leave nigger or die. I say take notes because sometimes your memory doesn't work as well and sometimes with these traumatic events like the shock of it all it can be a lot to even take in she forgot that happened on Dr. Martin Luther King's holiday at the hospital in a restricted area meaning you would need security access to even get to this area to leave a bullet we heard Rick Larson He testified before Congress. Imagine that you get to go to Congress and you get to tell them how you were called a nigger boy at 10,000 feet. That was when I said, if anybody has suggestions, because I don't even know what to do at 10,000 feet. It's not like you got a whole lot of room to get away from this person. And then the last one, 2010, Omar Thornton, unfortunately, that can be the result of workplace racism you don't have the resources you don't have someone to talk to and it just continues and continues and continues 2010 Connecticut we talked about that one a lot and when they investigated in Manchester they said predictably no racism here Omar Thornton was mistaken and of course we ended with the preeminent critical race scholar of the last century the great Chris Rock why this is so important we talk about this every Friday neutralizing workplace racism we have had a weekly segment where we exclusively discuss workplace racism for years you can go back in the archives and hear lots of different suggestions and what people have talked about and different problems Looking at Friday, I said I was excited about this program for so many reasons. I said it'll be like we get two episodes of neutralizing workplace racism this week. Same time, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. I was excited because I saw this report hot off the presses, they might say. It was published online in the Journal of Applied Psychology uh, last month. The title, When Thriving Requires Effortful Surviving delineating manifestations and resource expenditure outcomes of microaggressions for black employees. 
This report deals specifically with anti-black racism black people experience in the workplace, lots of different forms, exactly what we have been talking about every Friday for years. And before that was on Thursdays and before that it was on Saturdays. Looking forward to getting some great information. If folks that are listening in have thoughts, commentary that they would like to share, Star 61, feel free to dial in. Uh, joining us live, the author, uh, lead author of the report that we're about to discuss. <clears throat> she is a professor at the University of Rice down in Texas. Uh, looking forward to get some of her info. I saw, I saw her on the switchboard and then it moved. What is going on here? Let's see. Hmm. How odd. I had her on the line and it looked like she disappeared. That's so uh, bizarre. Let's see. Give me one second and I'll see uh, what happened. That's so odd. It has such wacky things happening with the phone line. Uh, Let's see. Give me one moment while I see if I can get it. Wouldn't I guess it would not be a, a program if we did not have some sort of difficulty or what have you interference on the phone line. Let's see. Um, Let's see. I just, I'm not sure if she got disconnected or something happened. Let's see. Alrighty, I'll see if I can. Perhaps we'll uh, give her a ring. We'll see, maybe. We can add her on that way. tried to give Professor King a jingle and grab her. I just uh, saw her. Maybe if she's here, she could press star six one if she's on the line and I'm just not seeing her for some odd reason. Press star six one and I'll nap her. But yeah, I'm super excited to get into the report to get into some of the details. I just saw her. She was right there on the uh, line and then she disappeared. Like <laughs> I just saw that as crazy. Like, uh, Hmm. I can see lots of other. I'd said before we had some sort of switchboard issue, but I can see lots of uh, other folks. So I assume that that is not the case. Uh, let's see. Hmm. So yeah, if our guest, Professor King, if you're with us, press star six one, and uh, I will. Hopefully, that'll make you appear on the switchboard that is so bizarre like I had said we had had difficulties with the switchboard previously uh, although it's see I can you know see lots of other folks hmm I'll uh, try one more time and see if I can maybe add her on my line but I just saw her I just saw her on the line she was right there uh, when I was doing the uh, introduction and what have you uh, let's see 
Okay. See if I can maybe try one more time. Hopefully the switchboard is not being bonkers again. Uh, hmm. Yeah, I'll try giving her a ring one more time and see. That is so bizarre because I just, I literally saw her. I just saw her. She was right there. And uh, yeah, and then she disappeared. I just saw her. Man, that's crazy. Um, All right, so I'll try dialing back and see if we can get her on the line. Forgive the jingle. We'll see if we can add her in on the line. Sorry for the silence. I totally saw her a second ago. That is crazy. I would have, you know, <laughs> been doing something else or giving the music a second or, you know, whatever the case. Um, hmm. Let's see. Your call has been forwarded to an automated voice messaging system. At the tone, please record your message. When you've finished recording, you may hang up or press 1 for more options. Greetings, Professor King. Uh, I giving you a jingle back for the program. I saw you on the switchboard, and then you were there. Then you were not there. Uh, give us, feel free to give us a jingle. The number again is 720-716-7300. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Thank you kindly. Let's see. Alright, I do not see her on the line. Maybe she'll be joining us. Uh, maybe she won't. We'll give her a few minutes and see, since I did try to uh, call her or what have you. I'll, I'll check and see if we get a email uh, as well. She did say that she got stuck in traffic. Um, yeah, I saw her. Okay, I'm sending her an email. All righty. We'll see. As I said, we will see uh, if she's able to get back on the line. If I see her on the switchboard, we will grab her and get her on the line. 
uh, to discuss her report because uh, it has some interesting information uh, about they spoke with uh, hundreds, about 400 approximately, uh, give or take 50, uh, black, 345, so a little over, uh, black people uh, about their different experiences in the workplace, uh, anti-black racism specifically, not all non-white people and all of that, black people uh, exclusively. She talked about their experiences uh, in the workplace and she talked about some of the different things that can make uh, the work environment more stressful, dealing with racism in the workplace. Uh, really interesting. Some of the responses uh, that they gave, some of them are painfully familiar. Some of the things that they talked about are things that we've talked about for years uh, on neutralizing workplace racism. Uh, some of them are a little surprising, mildly, uh, in terms of some of the more common ways that racism is practiced. Uh, in the workplace and then some of the suggestions uh, that she gives uh, during the general discussion uh, of the report. Uh, let's see. I'll give a minute or two check to see maybe she'll be able to ring back in to share a thought or two or maybe she will not. Either way, we'll be here uh, tomorrow, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Uh, Pacific. Pacific, excuse me. Uh, to wrap things up, the book club, S.E. May Washington Williams, Dear Senator, uh, will be all done. We'll finish up chapter nine in the acknowledgments uh, section. I guess whatever her thoughts are on the death of uh, her father, Senator uh, J. Strom Thurmond, and the last few few uh, years of his life uh, and what have you. Whew, we talked about that Monday with uh, Dr. Downey. Anywho, but that'll be tomorrow. Neutralizing workplace racism will be here on Friday as normal. Then Saturday, the compensatory call in uh, Sunday, our global Sunday talk. And then I think we should have like one day off and then we should be back next Tuesday. Uh, white guest. But that we'll chat about that, you know, later. Lots of lots of things that happen between now and then. Anywho. Um, but yeah, full slate. Anyone who is confused uh, about our broadcast time and when we're on again, all you have to do. 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. That is our normal broadcast time. And then Saturday is the one exception, 9 p.m., just an hour later. Uh, and then if we have any folks who are from different parts of the world, that should be happening later this month uh, as well. But we'll give more details uh, on that as well. Anywho, uh, let's see. Uh, I still do not see uh, Miss King uh, on the line. Professor King, excuse me. Well, either one, I guess, would be valid. I still don't see her uh, on the line. I did drop her an email. Uh, as I asked you all to uh, pause for a second and I didn't get uh, an email back. So I don't know. I'll say uh, a minute or two and I will just conclude that she will not be uh, rejoining us or what have you. Now, I did say on Monday, this is breaking a rule. Now, if we had any sort of, you know, she dialed in and for whatever reason I don't want to do this I don't want to participate after we agreed and what have you and just dipped no email no nothing the rule is white guests only no exceptions I said the only reason we're breaking this rule the audio clip that we started with hey this is really important to discuss doesn't get discussed enough things in the workplace and how much of a traumatic impact this has on black people all over the world 
super important. That was why I said, hey, let's break the code and, you know, talk to a non-white person, even though that is not that is not what we are supposed to be doing here on the program. Uh, so anyway, we're 40 minutes and we're supposed to start at five o'clock. Even that, like if someone asked me to be a guest on their program and they said they were going to start at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern and 40 minutes has elapsed and I haven't emailed to say I'm not participating or I am participating or whatever the case may be. <laughs> Come on. Anywho, um, number one with all of this, where did Gus get this information from? So this report and I'll give you the title again. Now, if anybody had any difficult with you know, sussing out the title, we were going to unpack all that. But when thriving requires effortful surviving, delineating manifestations and resource expenditure outcomes of microaggressions for black employees. This report was in the Journal of Applied Psychology. Now, the title alone says a lot, as well as where this report was published, the Journal of Applied Psychology. Uh, I had to be able to go to the University of Washington, which was closed for a good chunk of uh, the pandemic. Like you couldn't go to the library physically. Of course, you could do online things or what have you. But you have to be a student, right? Student faculty member, or what have you to get all the goodies, right? Anybody can just go to the library and, you know, partake of the resources that are there. Uh, so I had to be able to go there to get this report. Uh, if I was somewhere out in the hinterlands or what have you, it might have been a lot more to, or not might have it would have been substantially more challenging for me to even access this report. I just say all of that to say, and I've pointed this out before with some of the reports where we've talked to different authors, uh, if they're affiliated with some sort of uh, university or what have you, if it's not a book, if it's some sort of report in a journal, sometimes those can be difficult to access. If you don't have like a major university or something that's in your area, or you don't have like a JSTOR account or something, shh, Maybe you don't get to read these reports, which would go to one of the questions I was going to ask, like, who's the audience? Who is this report uh, intended for? Very important. You know, these books, authors, who's the intended audience? That's a big one uh, that we ask. I'll just go right down the list of some of the questions and things that I thought were uh, important to discuss. Let's see. Are you tenured? That was a big one. One of the first ones I was going to ask um, in her report. Professor King, she uses the concept perceived organizational support. That's a big theme uh, in this report, and that's how much support do you feel that you have from the people, the organization where you are employed? So if something happens, if it's related to racism, white supremacy or, you know, whatever else, child care could be lots of things. Do you feel like you're going to be heard and that they will take steps to solve that problem? Or do you feel like it's going to be, you know, hey, hey you, you, you're just sensitive. You know, they were just they were just kidding around. That's how you think you're going to get that type of uh, response. I was going to ask her now, uh, what is your level of perceived organizational support in the psychology department at Rice University? I thought that was important because most of the non-white people that I talk to, uh, whether it's on the cows program, I know myself the vast majority, they have very low perceived organizational support. And in fact, I would say, hey, you should expect to have very little organizational support around anything related to white supremacy, racism, maybe nothing. If anything, you want them to support policy and procedure 
equally among all employees. Uh, let's see. Uh, so I was going to ask her what was her perceived organizational support. Uh, next, I was going to ask uh, how many black people are in her department. That also is important. Also, I'm just adding this for the record, especially since in my view, because this is pretty tacky. She was a little bit late in dialing in period and then to just leave with no, oh, I don't want to do this. Forget this. No email, no nothing like white guests only. Anyway, um, how many black people are in your department? Oh, and the, the related question was. There's a video of her talking about this study that's posted on YouTube via the Rice YouTube account. You can see Professor Danielle King. I almost had it there to ask. It wasn't I wasn't super interested if it was there. But I mean, any sort of tackiness, like I said, like I value my time. Like, hey, if you if you're cautious, you don't want to do projects and that sort of thing. You don't want to talk to any Negroes who might be rowdy or what have you and, and besmirch your reputation. Cool in the gang. What did I say? White guests only she could have just said all that up front and we would have moved forward no problem I would have never mentioned her name other things especially we have programs every day this week we have many many other things to do she is very pale that might not mean anything at all but I said whoa does she have a white parent I did have that just based on visually seeing her being pale does not mean that you have to have a white parent at all and it does not mean that she should be mistreated I don't think she can so-called pass victim of white supremacy non-white but I did think does she have a white parent hmm anyway uh, who do you think is more informed about what racism is and how it works that was a big one I was going to ask early, er, very early on in the conversation I was going to get her to give a kind of overview of the study again she talked to slightly lower than 400 people black people it was a slightly more black females then black males they had a few people who did not identify as male or female uh, I think they did not disclose that information but uh, a few more females than males in the study of roughly 350 uh, black people talking about their workplace experience uh, in the report they use the term racial microaggressions and frequently racial is dropped completely so it's just microaggressions as said um, I'll give you an example uh, it's defined in the report racial microaggressions are stress inducing and may lead employees to feel devalued, threatened and isolated as well as perplexed. In illustration, Sue et al. 2008 theorized that a potential microaggressive incident sets in motion a per perceptual questioning aimed at trying to determine whether it was racially motivated. During this process, considerable psychic energy is expended. Thus, dealing with a microaggression, its ambiguity and its emotive after effects likely requires effortful cognitive and behavioral investments. Such effort investments may offer adaptive benefits, but may also further resource loss. And she talks about resource loss being that uh, everyone, we all have a finite amount of time and energy. That's why I get disgruntled about guests who agree to come on and speak and then oh these niggas are crazy I don't want to talk to them hey you can be picky way up front before you'd agree to come on the program because yes we do all have a finite amount of resources uh, but so that's 
And she, in the video on YouTube that I referenced where you can see Professor King, she makes a point of saying that microaggressions, I played it. I could play it right now, but I'm not going to. She played, uh, she says that uh, microaggressions, it's not to say that they are small or minimal, but to say that they are happening on the interpersonal level as opposed to the big, the macro and greater systemic things. Uh, and that these may be things immediately, these may be happening where the perpetrator is unaware immediate pivot to that and there's that's consistent uh in the framework a lot of this uh, get to that as we go along but that's all that about microaggression uh, and then she comes down she has one more uh, section talking about microaggressions in the report this is on page four scholars highlight that microaggressions can be hard to identify and targets are often unsure whether or not they have been wronged but nonetheless feel slighted attacked and or disrespected for instance, Sue recounted from his own experience with a microaggression that were it not for my colleague who validated my experiential reality, I would have left that encounter wondering whether I was correct or incorrect in my perceptions. Now, all this, psh, we talk about this all the time and being confused. Was that an act of racism? Am I confused? Gaslighting, they'll do a lot of that. Yeah, you are confused. They'll come and egg and all like, yeah, you are confused. It's not racism. Yeah, even you'll have some victims who'll come and do that sort of thing. Now, I was gonna just not as a challenge, not to be rude, but just some integrity, as they say, since I have written and talked about for years, avoid using the term microaggression. There's a tremendous and consistent effort to minimize white supremacy, racism, and to use other terms, bias, discrimination, prejudice, white privilege, uh, micro, anything other than racism, white supremacy is being practiced. And especially if this is going to now we're drifting off into the unaware, all of that, that I do not, I discourage and have for years, uh, no use of the term microaggression, not to make a big point, like I said, but just as I've said this for years now, I'm going to get on the pro. I wasn't even going to use the term. I was just going to cite it as where she writes it, uses it in the report, uh, continuing. So she has this concept of co, uh, uh, co-ruminating, co-ruminating, uh, basically just meaning do you talk when these incidents happen so-called microaggressions racism white supremacy are you able to find someone to talk to uh, she talks about uh, speaking with other colleagues that you work with uh, maybe other friends and what have you to see if the same thing can they validate your experience or has the same thing happened to them what do you think would be a logical response is there a better way to handle it she calls this co-ruminating uh, and I was going to ask uh, are you talking about discussing talking to other black people in the workplace because she gives lots of examples of that happening uh, and even talking to some other non-white people period uh, in the workplace or even some other white people and again now that's hey we talk about that all the time and for years she seems to suggest in the report that there's a benefit that that's part of this uh, conservation of resources uh, and these incidents are stressful they're traumatic Absolutely. Uh, and so and sometimes you're questioning, you're questioning yourself. Did this really happen? I'm not even sure if this is racism. It's super important to talk about. That's why we have neutralizing workplace racism every Friday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. That's why I wanted to have the program today. And folks, anyone who heard any of you know the things that I shared at the beginning, Jackie Robinson, any of that, if you think any of that was unprofessional, uncouth, shouldn't have said that, that's the sort of thing that you know a person should walk away from a discussion with someone saying what Gus T said at the beginning. Well, then, hey, let me know. 
Uh, anywho, uh, but co-ruminating. So talking to other black people on the job and there's a benefit. I've said, hey, talking about these experiences is important, but I certainly do not suggest doing it on the job. Anything that you share with someone else in the workplace, you should go ahead and just think everyone who works here is hearing what I say. This is maybe being recorded, transcribed, repeated with a few words added or deleted, whatever the case, anything that I say or write down, I'm comfortable with this being shared with everybody in the universe. That's the way that you should function. Not, you know, just because this person is black or non-white that they're gonna, you know, hold this as a secret, you know, unless you all, Hey, my suggestion, victims guaranteed qualified, unless you all have super reports that like you would have to have known this person before we started working here. Maybe we went to school together. They are relative or something. Uh, It would have to be a lot more than we've just been working together for a few months. And now we're cool because they are also classified as black. Like, yeah, that is a risk. Anything that you say to someone else who works there, I'm comfortable with this being repeated to everybody else. Anyway, um, she can tell. Oh, and she, I was going to ask if she made any sort of differentiation in her study between black people who were born in the States and black people uh, who were born outside the States, right? Since that's, you know, really popular. Lots of people talk about that as a point of interest. Uh, next, uh, let's see. She says invisibility was the form of microaggression most often encountered in the workplace. Now, see, that's what I said about the ratio gets dropped even when she used the term microaggression most often in the report. And that's frequently most often when I hear the term microaggression, racism, racial, all that has been dropped. It's just microaggression. Uh, but I thought that was interesting. And she defines invisibility, uh, not being seen. You're not heard. People just, you know, they get into your uh, personal space uh, as though you're not even there. Things when you make suggestions and things and people ignore it and they'll take it and, and act as though it's theirs. Invisibility. We talked about that a lot, right? Um, she said, which I thought was interesting. I was going to ask. She said overall sexualization and foreigner microaggressions were least often encountered by black employees. Now, I thought that was interesting because we have so many reports from black males and females where they're being sexualized and, you know, someone is trying to so-called hit on them and that sort of thing. Very widespread in her report. Not so. And I think it was especially low among people who were in the military. That was in one of the footnotes. I was going to ask about that. Give a pause for Levina Johnson, but to ask about that specifically. Uh, Let's see. Uh, It seemed as though there was some sort of weird uh, correlation between the microaggression of low achievement. So that's the common one where white people think, you know, you're a black person. So you can't read, can you? You're on the, you know, affirmative action, you know, hire program. We went around and get black people who didn't graduate high school and give them a job. where You're not qualified. That's you, right? That sort of low achievement, you know, (laughs) Um, that there was some sort of correlation between white people having a low opinion of you achievement wise and job satisfaction for black people, which I found interesting. Like, I don't know why that would be like, really, (laughs) if you work at a job where you have a lot of, of white people or where it's a strong sentiment that you are incapable and kind of a, an academic 
lazy and, and no count when it comes to, to your brain computer that you are more satisfied with your job? Like, hmm, why would that be? Like to prove them wrong, like I'm going to work extra hard to prove them wrong, to show them that I am so, because I've heard that. I think I might have even been guilty of that myself sometimes. John Henryism, they might call that. Um, which is all mother, Essie Mace's stepdad's name, John Henry Washington. Uh, let's see. All right, so next I was going to ask in the report. So negative interpersonal ascription, signaling an expectation of social interpersonal skill inadequacy. And the example, a white female coworker mentioned to me that another white female coworker was having negative relationship issues with her black boyfriend. She then insinuated that it was due to him being a black male and wanted me to agree with her. I let her know that all relationships, all relationships have issues. Now, this is so common. I was looking forward to getting her thoughts on this one because we hear so many folks during neutralizing workplace racism where they talk about this white people, males and females coming and talking about some sort of sexual activity. And, oh, I think my husband's cheating on me. And I'm thinking about cheating on him, too, <laughs> with another woman or all kinds of goofiness. And to come and talk to you about all this stuff. Or we just talked about this last week. Our caller in Georgia, she said the white woman got on. Oh, yeah, my husband, he's from the Bahamas and blah, 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 and all this. And I said, hey, I am not interested and being your soundboard, uh, if this is a uh, remuneration, right? Like you, you need someone to come and and talk uh, about your relationships and and stressing your marriage. You that that is not appropriate. That is not professional. I don't come and talk to you about my sexual activity and relationships or gossiping about other people in the office see that so common this is what we want to come and gossip to the black people about mm -hmm. and and some sort of swirling romance caller in florida at the courthouse he talks about that all the time i was going to say like hey let's nip that in the bud i was going to ask uh professor danielle king like nip that in the bud like i'm not interested in hearing about that at all i'm not interested in, in giving a comment to stick up for the black guy in the relationship or none of that why are you even talking to me about this is this appropriate for the workplace state question question uh next she says from the report wow so there's a whole i have to go to the whole page here so this is on page 13 of the report in the journal of applied psychology on page 13 so she gives outcomes of microaggressions for black employees so it's a big table table number five in this report um, so negative or I read that one negative interpersonal ascription uh, signaling of expectation of social interpersonal skill inadequacy I read that one that was the one about the relationship incidentally in my view, that's just all that tacky and trashiness where we come and talk to you about this sort of thing. I mean, yeah, you know, isn't that no good Negro male? Don't you agree? Black Miss Andrew, of course. But I mean, why are you? Is this appropriate for the workplace? As I said, so she continues down in the chart. I'm not reading every one. Next one I'm reading. This is a theme to racialized role assignment. Prescribed subservience. An expectation of fit or assignment to servitude roles. I was named the leader of the minority networking committee. This 
committee was set up for me to basically tell other black people how to assimilate into white culture in order to be more fit for promotions. I was honestly afraid of how I would be viewed in the organization if I didn't accept the position, but I did not want to do it. Now that is fascinating. Yeah, because we have heard this sort of thing before where they have these sort of groups and things set up. We've talked about it. We talked about this from all over the world. Sometimes they'll have these sort of things set up and they'll send in black people to spy. That was why I wanted to talk about that with Dr. Downey on uh, Monday. He didn't have a footnote for the section about the black spy, alleged black spy. But we talked about this and black people kind of being finagled into being on these kind of Negro committees and things or be the leader of the committee. And then they come in and sabotage you and spy on you and everything else. And this person said, man, I'm even even now this one. We want you to tell other black people how to assimilate into white culture now. We just asked Dr. Downey, what is white culture? And he got all mad and huffy and highfalutin. Oh, I don't lump all white people together. Oh, it's right there in the thing. (laughs) And and if we're supposed to assimilate into it, you can tell us now, what is white culture? Is white culture castrating black males? What's white culture? Lay it out for us. That way you'll make it easy for us to fit in. Continuing in the chart, so this is all under theme two, racialized role assignment. So this is prescribed socioeconomic inferiority, an expectation of fit or assignment to low socioeconomic role status. I purchased a home in the Midtown. A white male co-worker asked me where I bought and when he heard Midtown, he said, I would never buy there. I feel so unsafe. Then proceeded to say, but we grew up differently. Now that's another one now. Are you uninformed about racism, white supremacy, making a statement like that? You know, we we grew up differently. I guess I didn't grow up with the same culture that you did. And a white person feeling unsafe anywhere in the known universe. Now that's laughable. Incidentally, now that's also one where I've talked about, hey, I would not now, hey, they will have your information. If you have to go and request a job, you have to fill out an application. Ten times out of nine, you got to put down some address, right? P.O. box at least. But generally, they're going to have your address. And I mean, then also, they normally get some form of identification, state-issued identification that would also have an address, typically a residential address, maybe not, but generally. So, I mean, generally, if they really want to know, they could get your address. But, I mean, I would not volunteer. Oh, we just bought a home, that sort of thing. None of that because what she just said, what she wrote here, path. uh, I messed up the group that I read an expectation of fit or assignment to low socioeconomic role status. You're expected to be a poor Negro. We've had so many people over the years talk about they came in and talked about they went on a vacation out of the country, no less, or they got a new vehicle and they didn't even say it was a Lamborghini. (laughs) We're not talking about a Bentley, just, you know, a new vehicle. Oh my God, what is going on? You went on a vacation to where? What? Why? Hey, do 
do not do any sort of talking. If you got a house, enjoy it. <laughs> do not invite them over. You're not posting pictures and all that showing off. That will get you in trouble. She continues. So further down, this is all big charts. So this is theme three interactional injustice and so she has lots of different styles invisibility is one we talked about right we don't see you're not even here uh, so this is pathologizing patho- pathologizing there we go physical attributes otherings one's physical characteristics by drawing attention to their nature and or problematizing their form now she has a number for this one so she says number one During my first week on the job, a partner at my firm made a comment about not understanding why Kwanzaa was included on the office holiday calendar. He said something to the extent of, I print this calendar for myself, but I removed the unnecessary holidays. Who celebrates Kwanzaa anyway? For that one? Hmm. And he might not even get that. He might get the total silence. I certainly would not recommend celebrating Kwanzaa or any other Christmas, (laughs) Valentine's, New Year's, Guy Fawkes, St. Patrick's Day, Memorial Day. That's the one that's coming up. I don't recommend celebrating anything in the workplace. We're here to work, not to party. Jamboree on your free time. Number two, again, this is all under pathologizing physical attributes. A customer touching my hair without asking for my consent and commenting on how curly it was. Next one, I have had multiple people communicate their concern about the professionalism of my hair. The hairpiece goes on. There's one more. She says a black woman working in southern U.S., experienced a pathologizing physical attributes microaggression there it is again see I said there's no racism I have had multiple people communicate their concern about the professionalism of my hair including a senior administrator and peer I felt like a fool it surprised me because I did not realize that was the general perception I chose to take this opportunity to educate this peer on the implications of that perception. I explained what it felt like and why it felt that way. Talked about this one many, many times uh, over the years. And in fact, what I was going to do with Professor Danielle King, I was going to read her what the listener just wrote it because we've been talking about hair so much now they got all that legislation about the crown act right in different parts of the country california and i think some areas in the northeast hey no more discrimination and that would is really like talk about invisibility black males totally excluded like it's no hey if you got locks or cornrows or lip beard or anything like that for black get out of here this is just black females if you got locks or anything else you got natural hair you don't want to chemically mutilate your hair you're not going to be mistreated now hey i'm all for protecting to make sure that no black person female or male is mistreated in the workplace but the thing that i've said more than anything who's going to enforce this with the crown act i mean that's great to have legislation but i mean if we went by the laws that we already have we wouldn't have white supremacy racism so the problem is not a lack of legislation i don't think 
uh, Emmett Till anti-lynching legislation 150 years too late. I don't think the problem is legislation, but I could be wrong. At any rate, I was going to read the listener suggestion. Like, hey, you know what? Time and energy. What I said again, I'm not interested in wasting time and energy. I'm not interested in having any conversations about my hair in the workplace unless I work at a boutique. I'm well paid to discuss hairstyles all day long. No problem. This is what type of conditioner I use. This is how often I wash. This is the uh, brands that I use and blah, blah, blah. The temperature of water. You can go into all the details. But if you work, you are an attorney. You are a doctor. It's tax season. I call in Georgia. Just said I'm an accountant. I'm a librarian. I'm a delivery driver. Nothing that we do relates to hair. And you're not even trying to pick up tips. It's not like, you know, you. Oh, I love your hair so much. I want to copy that stuff. I can teach me how to do that. That's not what this is at all. No, no, no. What we heard from caller before that came in and put some action figure. Got Incredible Hulk in my pen curls. Come on. No, not interested in having any conversations about hair ever. Not one. I was going to read to Professor Danielle King, like one of our listeners, she just wrote in. She said, hey, for dress code, I would suggest wearing the same type of of clothing no kente cloth making sure to have a blazer or large sweater that reaches to your mid thigh wear an undershirt and no tight shirts colors of clothing can be gray blue black white and tan colors nothing bright no kente cloth i would also suggest to wear flats and your hair in one style avoid having any color in your hair I don't suggest to wear any makeup unless it's natural looking plain as possible. I that's being on and minimizing time. That's less time that I have to invest in this whole what's my wardrobe going to be and acting like I'm going to have an Instagram shoot when I go in at 9 a.m. Wrong. And I'm not interested in talking to anybody white or non-white. Whoa, where did you get those shoes? Where did you get that skirt from? Wow, what have you been doing with your hair? That is a Is any of this going to get me a raise? Promotion? Bigger office? Better parking space? Gas voucher? Extra paper clips? $5 Starbucks gift card? I mean, we sit in the bar. Is it going to get me any of that? No? Okay, yeah. I don't want to ever have my hair or wardrobe be a subject of dialogue with anyone I work with again, unless we are in the fashion industry. And I came to show out because I'm paid well to show out. If that's you, rock on. Next, we incidentally haven't had anybody that I can remember, except maybe one person who's in the fashion industry. Let's see. Page 19. Going down in the report here. (laughs) 
page 19, she writes, oh, so this is in the general discussions of the work and practicality, how can this research be applied? She writes, practically, this work offers insight insights that can be used to advance allyship, important word, leadership and training. A current barrier to allyship from non-black employees may be a lack of awareness of anti-black microaggressions, manifestations and effects. Research suggests that perpetrators of microaggressions are often unaware of the negative messages they commute to people of color. Consequently, leaders and perpetrators often encourage the targets of microaggressions to simply ignore or dismiss their experiences. Now, it's definitely going to ask about that because now, one, we're not even just saying, are we talking about white people? Non-black employees, are we talking about white people? Are we talking about Latinos, Asians? Difficulty identifying the problem. And then, so, barriers to allyship. What does that mean exactly? Allyship. That's one of those words that I put up there with, like, rhetoric. We got a lot of rhetoric from uh, Dr. Downey on Monday. Uh, allyship. And she used it twice. To advance allyship and then a barrier to allyship is maybe a lack of awareness of anti-black microaggressions, manifestations, and effects. Now, see, this is coming back to being ignorant, and that's why I started with the audio that I did at the beginning. Now, anybody, if they heard that with Dow Tucker, guest on the program, left a bullet on her desk at a hospital on Dr. King's holiday, or Omar Thornton, 2010, Mr. Larson, nigger boy on the plane. Anybody thinks, hey, the problem with those incidents is that the white people didn't know. That's, you know, that's what it is. They just were unaware. And if the case family, Brandon and Gregory Case, if they were more informed, they wouldn't have chased and shot at DeMontario Gibson. If Omar Thornton's co-workers were more informed, if they were more aware, he would still be with us. Dow Tucker, if her employee, in fact, Dr. King's, that was one, it was a whole lot of clips I could have picked. That was one that was mandatory, like unaware. Dr. King's, not just any random day in January, Dr. King's holiday. I put a bullet. Leave nigger or die. Now she did have the word maybe, but I mean, hey, this problem is widespread and has been for a long time. And especially if I take the one piece of rhetoric from Dr. Downey on Monday, CRT, critical race theory. Hey, all of that vitriol and opposition we don't want that in our school and Karnaja. Nothing about that behavior suggests, hey, these are folks who are just a little bit ignorant and they just need to be informed. And once they are made aware, they will be great allies for the Negro cause. Really? I just don't think that that's what we have. Uh, I could be in error, but there would seem to be a lot of evidence to suggest something to the contrary. And again, just the length of time that we've been dealing with this problem 
Anywho, uh, let's see. What else was? Make sure I get. Who was this report written for? That was a big one. I was gonna make sure I get. Um, as I said, and having to think now, does she have a white parent? That was definitely one that was in the back of my mind, and then particularly with uh, the prompt exit. But those were most of the major. Uh, points that I wanted to inquire uh, about the report again the full title when thriving requires effortful surviving delineating manifestations and resource expenditure outcomes of microaggressions for black employees that is the report from the journal of applied psychology uh, again hey <laughs> white guests only we've only I think had three attempts at having four attempts, excuse me. We've had four attempts at having non-white guests on the program this year. Two of them followed through Aya Gruber and Dr. Gerald Horn. The other two, they participated halfway dialed in, never got them on the line and disappeared. That was uh we had a non-white, we had a non-white female who also has a white parent beginning of the year, did the same thing. I've said, hey, it may be Gus T. I said at the very beginning, worthless Negro from Virginia. That is the widespread consensus. That being said, non-white people, everybody, Dr. Downey, who was with us Monday, for sure, Gus T., worthless Negro from Virginia. Most of the non-white guests that we have had on the cows. Oh, yeah, that is a worthless Negro from Virginia. I'm not even sure if you asked in 13 years and all the non-white guests that we've had on the program, do you think you could get three of them to come and say, hey, man, Gus T is not a worthless Negro from Virginia. No, I do not think I could get three of the non-white guests that we've had on the program to come and say, hey, Gus T is not a worth. No, I do not. Same thing that I said the whole 13 years. So what my goal when this started was not to talk to professor king my goal was to not make homies amongst the negro masses the goal is the same replace white supremacy with justice immediately and i mean it what the what do the young folks say they what does they say keep it a hundred if you really want to keep it a hundred i would look at anybody with a side eye if you tell me you are serious about addressing racism, white supremacy, and you hang up and leave anybody, really, black person or someone who is white. You don't even say a word. That's how dedicated you are to white supremacy, racism, and solving this problem in the workplace. Cool in the gang. As I said, we were breaking a rule today. This is why that is a rule. Please do not. Nobody suggested this. I said, this was me. I saw this. I said, if she's willing to come talk, let's do it. Cause I think workplace racism is a big problem. We should talk about this on a regular basis. And we should talk about this seriously because people die around this. Omar Thornton. There may be a whole lot of things. Chris Rock and Will Smith. There may be a whole lot of things to joke and be goofy about. This is not one. Everybody doesn't have a white person as a sex partner or dealing with their offspring being married to a white person or one of their siblings. 
Pretty much everybody on the planet is dealing with workplace racism in some form, even if they are so-called self-employed. That was when I was going to ask too, because she didn't, or at least I didn't see where she addresses uh, black people who are self-employed and how racism is manifested in their work environment. But I didn't get a chance to ask any questions. Anywho, uh, any of the folks who are with us, if you all have, comp- like I said, if any of the folks who are with us, if you heard from the beginning of the program, anything, the introduction uh, or any of what I had to say in welcoming Dr. Uh, excuse me, Professor King to the program, uh, even the commentary about Dr. Downey, uh, including that before we get started, feel free to let me know uh, again. I'm not sure if even that would be grounds to just dip and not say anything. I would at least drop an email. Like, I don't know. This doesn't sound like what I want to talk about. And uh, yeah, I'll have to leave y'all to it. Peace. Black brother. I didn't even get that. White guests only. No deviations in the future, even for workplace racism. Don't care what they are talking about. We will be here tomorrow for neutralizing workplace or excuse me, not not quite. We'll be here Friday for that. But we'll be tomorrow uh, for dear Senator S.E. May Washington Williams. Whew, I'm so glad that we read that book. Uh, kudos to the author for uh, just because we had help. Uh, we had narration for the book. I had free time where I was able to go and look at some of the other articles and things related to S.E. May Washington Williams and uh, J. Strom Thurmond. Um, what? I just, I'm not sure if we would have even had the program Monday. Zachariah Walker, I thought that was important for so many reasons. I thought that was important. Um, even though Dr. Downey practiced racism, white supremacy, lying about the content of his book. And even I think I said on the program that super suspicious when you have anybody, really white person, non-white person, and they have been accused. Hey, I think you lied about something in your book or something is wrong in your book or any sort of problem with your book, you have the book there. Now you can go and verify this, set them straight, especially if you're alleging that they're wrong. They haven't read it correctly. The information is there. You have the book right there. Do you go get the book and set them straight? Or nah, I'm cool, whatever. He volunteered Dr. Downey. Oh, I'll go get the book right now and show you where it is. I said, oh, okay, let's hear it. Give me the page number because I could be wrong. Let's hear it. Nah, I don't want to die. I wasted a long time. I'm like, we, that one is super suspect. Like, May, if somebody said you wrote something or what have you is wrong, you messed this up, you lied about this, you willingly left this out, it is any sort of problem, oh, yeah, set them straight, especially if you're saying you're wrong. Set them straight. If I can't do it right now, I will drop you an email. Here's the page number. You're incorrect. Here's the information. A white person, especially, you're not even willing to do that. And again, like I said, hey, I will go back and double check. He lied repeatedly. But I mean, hey, it was lots of suspicious conduct that would seem to indicate racism, white supremacy from Dr. Downey this past Monday. Check it out. But I'm glad we had him on the program because I did learn quite a bit from reading his book, Worthless Negro from Virginia. Among many other things, but yeah, I'm so glad that we picked uh, Dear Senator. Uh, we'll wrap it up tomorrow and then we'll move on to the, our next book on next Thursday. I thought I was pretty sure it was going to be All God's Children just because we were supposed to read that as well. Way back when we were supposed to read 
uh, the man in the high castle I think all in 2015 I had that book like hard copy and everything ready to roll and then somehow we got distracted uh, but it seems like if we are ever going to read that book now is the time uh, for two reasons one because it's about many of the same characters we just talked about in South Carolina Ben Tillman and all of that but also because of the genealogy it branches off into Willie Boskett, who we've talked about repeatedly, and he just came up again this year uh, when they were talking about uh, prosecuting minors as adults for violent crime. Of course, black minors uh, and Willie Boskett is the case, but I think the whole second half of the book is about Willie Boskett. So I was like, man, we should just go ahead and uh, read that so we can get that, out of, get that out of the way. I think that book's supposed to be really good. I've not read it yet, although... That book, Moses Fleetwood Walker, a treatise on the past, present, and future of the Negro in America. I am curious. I have to look and you know see if it would be uh, one worthy of a of a of a gander. But yeah, that uh, like I said, there's so many black people who you know even Jackie Robinson. I, I never have anything bad to say about Jackie Robinson he wrote an autobiography you know I looked at that one as well because I think there's an audio book but lots of these folks like we should reading is more important than watching television uh, read what they had to say for themselves about their experience uh, the terrorism that they experienced uh, in the workplace and beyond uh, try to check out what these folks had to say and especially for Mr. Moses Fleetwood uh, Walker because it would seem that Individuals classified as white do not want us to know about him. A lot of us about Jackie Robinson. A lot of us all the time about black uh, self-defense efforts. Anywho, uh, see a few folks who died. And again, like, so uh, if you have any thoughts, what you heard, if you heard the beginning of the program, if Gusty said, did anything that, oh man, you were really unprofessional, out of line, and anyone with any sense at all would have hung up and walked away too. I wouldn't have stayed and listened to you for 30 seconds with all that nonsense that you were talking about Jackie Robinson and, and Dr. Uh, Downey from this past Monday or the audio clips having the audacity to include the great Chris Rock in this. If anything, hey, she absolutely should have left your black behind, Gus, and I would have to. Well, then let me know. I will stand corrected and it does not change anything. White guests only no exceptions OJ Simpson Anthony Broadwater uh, folks who dialed in with a hand up star six one we have folks who have commentary okay. they would like to share have commentary they would like to share greetings everyone retired firefighter in Florida yes uh, well first of all I don't even have to go to uh, make an assessment of you personally. Uh, just the subject of racism, white supremacy in itself uh, with white people, uh, as soon as they, as soon as a white person uh, like the guest that was, that was on uh, a couple of days ago, uh, figures that non-white people are going to question him, uh, you know, about his work and about uh, what is his general purpose of the work, you know, critical questions uh, as such. 
they're going to get turned off about it because it appears through our over a decade of asking white people questions that uh, they don't mind getting accolades from non-white people because they may tell some truths about white supremacy. Uh, they don't mind being idolized uh, by non-white people, but if non-white people question them also as though, hey, we may be talking to a, a racist, then they get turned off by it. Uh, the subject of racism, white supremacy, when it comes to non-white people, especially non-white people who are racially classified as black, is actually is something they rather not pay attention to. Uh, that may be me, you know, in, in a certain sense, but I deem it so important that I have to pay attention to it, and I should try to come up with methods, tactics, and strategies that will eliminate it one day. Uh, but a lot of non-white people, who, especially who are rich-classified as black, uh, don't have that interest. And uh, they don't... And, and, it, and it's, I would say... I'm about to say it's almost seldom when we are willing to even talk about it in a lot of cases. So that alone, you, you don't have to say anything that somebody may consider to be incorrect for the problems that you are witnessing to take place. And I uh, just wanted to say about Mr. Jack Roosevelt Robinson, uh, anything that I said or, or you said about him uh, was not in the, in the case of disparaging uh, Mr. Robinson uh was a non-white person who actively attempted in his lifetime i would say a significant amount of his lifetime to neutralize or participate thereof into neutralizing the system of racism and white supremacy is jeff is jeff uh of uh, uh, to be more accurate on my behalf and your behalf and other people's behalf is to be accurate. And they, and you have brought out some reasons on why, <laughs> on why perhaps there is not case that uh, the person who really was the first person in the major leagues is not talked about. And, and in those things that you mentioned, uh, especially the part of killing a white person. Mr. Robinson did not do that. <laughs> he did not do that at all. He did not kill a white person. And uh, that is something that white people hold important. And I suspect the, the reason why he killed this white person, racist white supremacy has something to do with it also. <laughs> You know, and uh, it appears that the book you were talking about that he wrote has something to do with racism and white supremacy, also. Uh, and it'd be it'd be also interesting to read Mr. Robinson's book. Uh, I did a, I did quite a bit reading on Mr. Robinson, 
And I would say that he was a, he was perhaps the greatest athlete in this part of the world that ever existed <laughs> um, because he didn't just play baseball. Matter of fact, baseball, in my opinion, probably wasn't his best sport. <laughs> he was a football player at UCLA. Uh, a couple of his teammates were the first black males to be able to get back into the National Football League. He played at UCLA. Bas- playing basketball at UCLA is a high status. Uh, he broke his brother's record. His brother was in the, in, uh, a teammate of, of Jesse Owens in the 1936 Olympics. And he was a medalist in the 36 Olympics, his, his older brother. He broke some of his older brother's track and field records. You know, so he played four sports and was, the, was at the top at those sports also. And plus he had, he, he was, he was articulate, uh, on, 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 uh, subject matters, uh, that, uh, had a matter of importance also. And, uh, that's all I have to say. Thank you. Love Jackie Robinson. Absolutely love me some Jackie Robinson. No one had better talk bad about him uh, in my prayer, white or non-white, really. Um, yeah, even Jack, I forgot right. Jack Johnson uh, wrote a book as well. Like a lot of the folks that we, you know, think well, uh, Gil Scott Heron, Coretta Scott King. We have read some of these folks books in the uh, book club. But yeah, read and get it directly from them what they had to say. And certainly I see some of the other folks who dialed in, but certainly uh, I don't call I don't say microaggression, terrorism white supremacy racism frequently the result of that and hey sometimes racists directly say you had better not be talking about racism you had better if you are going to talk about it you had better say bias or prejudice or microaggression or whatever it is you're not going to talk about this accurate you're going to talk about this in a way that I deem acceptable so and that would just all be more reasons white guests only no exceptions uh, other folks who dialed in with the hand up do y'all have commentary have you heard? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you guys for taking my call and greetings to everyone on the line. And um Yeah, this is kinda of disappointing that uh Professor King, Professor Daniel King didn't um spend more time with us. I, I did have a couple questions for her uh concerning my own situation. Um but about Doctor uh Downey I remember the part where he, um, I guess, accused some of the cow's callers, uh, one in particular that uh, had questions about what can, uh, I believe it was non-white people or or white people do to solve the problem of white supremacy. And he, I guess, uh, associated that with some kind of violence, if I'm correct. Um, I remember that part, and again, I guess he was just uh, practicing racism, being tacky. Um, I did uh, have an update uh, about a situation that I presented to cows a little while ago, if I could, Gus. Oh, uh, let's hear it. Uh, Uh, Thank you, sir. Uh, Yes, this was uh, some time ago about the black uh, female uh, co-worker um, that I put in a um, a report of assault 
from her. This is this happened last year. She hit me with a um a notepad. Um, I did uh, report that uh, to uh, the um, proper authorities here in the in my work site. I received a letter uh, stating that they were going to do an investigation, and that was some time ago. Now I received a secondary letter, and this letter is uh, letting me know that the case has been terminated, and they found no evidence of this. Um, I guess it was my word against her word, but I just want to update everyone on that. Um, and uh, I guess that'll be it for me right now. Uh, and again, thank you for the program, Gus. Is that like that's the conclusion of it? Uh, he said, she said, so you know we can't. That's it. That's there's not going to be anything further. Uh, from what the letter says. Didn't mean to put you on the spot. Sorry. <laughs> uh, victims are always, always on the spot, but thank you. Um, uh, your complaint did not warrant further investigation. Therefore, no further action is warranted, and the matter is considered closed. That is from the report. To be uh, expected, I guess. Um, is that... Does that what well, I guess what did you have it what were your expectations for the investigation? Um, I guess I was going off of what Mr. Fuller um suggested that you submit um reports about things that need to be corrected and I believe he said something to the effect of if they uh report to you that there is no violation, I guess submit a report again until they find something that is amiss. I guess that was considering the uh, 5th and 14th Amendment, I believe Mr. Fuller was talking about. I see, I see. Okay, right on. Um, Stick to perseverance. I have heard him talk about that a lot. Like, hey, and generally racist white supremacists uh, they are recalcitrant so you will probably have opportunities to file additional reports and let's see if we can suss it out this time so yeah that is uh, unfortunately that is a lot of racism white supremacy I, I, rec- I said documentation I guess I've said that a few times already today I recommend that way more than talking to other people and see if they've had similar incidents and talking to other co-workers uh co-ruminating I think that's the title of it in the report I guess I'll use the term from the report so if you had to rate your perceived organizational support meaning from the folks that you work with uh, you voice a problem they hear you they address it they remedy it uh, What if you had to rate it on a scale of one to four I think she does there one being the lowest you report something Ah, eh, shut up get back to work ah. Uh, and four being the best you report something they take it super serious investigate it immediately and work to solve that problem to the best of their ability what would you rate your perceived organizational support level um i'm kind of pessimistic i believe so i wouldn't even rate them um i'll rate them probably a negative a negative (laughs) one it's it's just due to 
my experiences here and I've been here quite some time and I, there's a, a situation happened some years ago where a person called and I answered the call and this person started using racial slurs. I reported that to um, to the proper supervisors and the best they can do, because this person's threatening to come into the office and assault, stuff like that. And the best that they could do is say, oh, here's the number to security downstairs. So if you feel uncomfortable, just call security. That was their solution. Wow. That uh, that right there, like I said, hey, in the report, Professor Danielle King, that she says microaggressions, racial microaggressions, even though the racial is not there frequently. <laughs> That is not a microaggression. These are acts of te- all of these, the hair, all of that. These are acts of terrorism. Uh, and that's why I was saying, like, I feel like most of the non-white people that I talk to, they don't generally seem to have any <laughs> perceived organizational support. Like, I don't even get trained properly. Like, I come in and I'm just basic safety. We don't even have to talk about racism, white supremacy, per se. We can just uh, PPE. COVID-19 basics and ah, shut up get out <laughs> like dang like can you at least let me know if somebody here test positive shut up get back to work ah. can I get a mask a garbage bag then I tell you to shut up get back to work ah. that seems I mean I'm sure that's not every everybody but I mean woof like I don't if we have if anybody here if you work in an environment where you you are not in the negative you're not pessimistic like I call her here um you are treated correctly and you have organizational support. If a problem comes up and you, you know, report it, your manager or whomever the proper authority is, it's addressed. You're listened to, you're taken seriously and they do whatever they can to, you know, address the problem to your satisfaction. See if they can get it taken care of permanently. Even if we have folks who work in that sort of environment, like, man, that is amazing. I hope you work there like forever. <laughs> you get ready to retire. And I hope that you your perception of organizational support increases as you continue to stay there, as it should, because you've been there longer. There should be even more loyalty and what have you. But I just don't hear that from. But President Obama didn't seem like he had uh, high organizational support. He's got his colleagues interrupting him and talking over him when he's going out to give speeches and subject to all these death threats and people saying that he's not a U.S. citizen and all, all that. Like, uh, I don't know. Uh, Meghan Markle, right? Prince Harry, we talked about that. That's all the way across the pond, right? Does she have organizational support? Be like, man, would you bring this dark woman into the monarch for, man? Jeez, you could find somebody, a white, nice white woman. Remember all that? Maybe we just haven't talked to the rec- correct folks. I've said that we have spectators sometimes for workplace racism. So maybe the folks who uh, have organizational support are spectating. Uh, if they are out there, let us know. Uh, if there are any other folks who have, uh, I guess, observations, thoughts? They want to make sure that they uh, get in, feel free, star six one, and uh, we'll share your thoughts before we wrap up today. Get ready for uh, the book club. Keep wanting to say neutralizing because that's what we've been talking about today neutralizing workplace racism. But you're ready for the book club tomorrow and then neutralizing workplace racism on uh, Friday. Uh, any other 
thoughts, observations, folks want to make sure that they get in. Star six one if we have other folks on the line. Assume folks are satisfied for the moment. Might check in once more. Uh, again, wish we could have heard a few words from uh, Professor Danielle King. Incidentally, I would tell any of the uh, victims who uh, are with us, certainly it's always Victims Guaranteed Qualified. If you are uh, a non-white person and, uh, you know, certainly you don't have to talk to anyone white. Or, well, I'll take that back. You may be required to talk to white people from time to time. Uh, the system of racism that has happened to me. So they do have that sort of power. But generally speaking, like, you know, if it's a non-white person, if you don't want to talk to them, cool in the gang that is the way that it should operate not you know forcing folks to talk all of that said though if it is a victim of white supremacy I've said this before in terms of wasting time and energy like for reals like if you have parameters if it's anything if it's talking about food dating so called basketball counter racism anything you should get all that done like in advance. Like if it's, Hey, I don't just talk to any old colored person. Like, you know, you got to have similar thinking and this, that, and the other. And if you know, you don't have the correct perspective on it, then I don't even waste time. Talking. All that should be done way before you agree to come and speak to the person. You don't get there that day. And whoa, whoa, whoa. Like I thought you all were going to be sensible Negroes about all this. My gosh, I got to get out of here. Woo. Again, like I said, if anybody, if you get a chance to see, maybe before we go off the air, if anybody check out the video, I posted it on my Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash the problem is white people. You can see the video of Professor Danielle King so you can see her. She may have two black parents, four black grandparents, eight black great grandparents who were all born in the continental U.S. That could be the truth. I just said, oh, wow, she's kind of pale. Maybe she has a white parent. Anyway, I do know non-white people who have eight great-grandparents classified as black, and they're not interested in talking about white supremacy, racism in a truthful, logical manner either. So uh, other folks who dialed in uh, that we missed totally, if you have commentary. Yeah, we heard. Yes, sir. Uh, greetings, Gus, and the callers and listeners. Yeah, um, I mean, such a strange coincidence. One of the events at my current um, plantation, they're actually having an event on microaggressions. <laughs> so I was kind of, I was so curious to hear what she had to say. Oh, man. Talk about it, man. Damn. Um, and the, the thing is, like, you know, I, I actually asked one of the people that's in charge of the event, like, what are the questions are you going to ask? And they they were very candid, and they told me some of the questions. And I told them, I said, well, you know, maybe we should get to some definitions, and we'll figure out a couple more things. But I think, you know, that's not a bad idea. Ask a couple more questions, and let's see what happens. And then I heard about this show, and I was like, oh, this is perfect timing. Perfect timing. But, I mean, hey, can't win them all, all the time, oh. Have to take the loss on this one. I mean, I'll go and check her out online and see what she has to say. But um, I think it was obvious that, you know, much like some other callers in the past, like 
I'm just fearful of being outed. I think I just I, I hate to say it like that, but I I think that's kind of accurate. Fearful of being outed for not really being truthful about what's going on in the system. Um, also, just the tidbit uh, from, from what I've noticed myself. Um, I've worked in multiple arenas, current or current plants, plantations, I should say. The current one is a medical company, and I've worked at communications. I've worked at um, some, some big ones, and I've worked at a financial industries. And I have to tell you, it's the same dynamic in almost every single one of them. All the non-white people are outside of the offices, and they're just head down and keyboard away and all the white people are in the offices and it's exactly the same dynamic in every single one of those plantations that I've been to. I mean, all across the border, it's no different. And I just started this job and it's very noticeable, you know, and I'm talking, there are a lot of black people in this medical um, company. Um, It's a hospital. And it, so many, so many non-white people, especially black, but all the major roles, all the major positions, all white men, all white women, um, no holes barred. And the interesting thing is one of my coworkers spoke to me and said, our director, which is a white woman, said she's interested in diversity and in, and in, <laughs> if you want diversity and inclusion, you could hire anybody you want, but you hired a bunch of white men and white women to work underneath you. So the talk is the double talk they do. I just think it's, I don't know. know. To me, it's just, you have to pay attention very closely to what they do, much less what they say. You know, that being said, I'll mute my line. Thank you for listening. Diversity, equity, inclusion, more of the rhetoric. That's what they say. And and when they say oh, they can be all passionate as a white woman and she means it. She said you because you said she didn't just hire white men, white women. And she probably got some white LGBTQI and I don't know the age of the folks. But maybe she got some elderly folks and throw in a little disability, get somebody who's in a wheelchair and all the rest like, oh, yeah, we are all about that. Look at this diverse staff here. Look at this. Look at this. Say, uh, do you think maybe we could get a black person? Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> like, that's all we get on. Oh, oof, oof. You hire like you, you you can't find anybody that's qualified like really <laughs> get online. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. That's it, because she did hire somebody LGBTQ. Oh, <laughs> oh come on, come on, come on, come on. Now see, she could even get a black LGBTQI whatever person right because they have that too right or get a black person in a wheelchair you get a two for one that's what they call it right get a black female lgbtqi in a wheelchair get a a, a quadruple you know nah. get me a white person wheelchair. get me get me a white transgender person yes mm. <sighs> diversity oh, 
equity and inclusion. Yes, yes, yes. Woo. Uh, I actually did find the uh, audio I'll include it so just we can hear the segment that is talking about the report because this is how I found out about this uh, Danielle King's report that just was published where she's the lead author we'll hear a little tidbit of it right and then folks can uh, if they share a thought or what have you anything stands out it might take me a second to find it but we'll we'll check it out really quick let's see here at rice i'm really fascinated by resilience so what are the adversities that we all face and what can organizations do to help people overcome those this study uh, we surveyed 345 black employees and we asked them to share stories of racial microaggressions that they've encountered at work. So those subtle, ambiguous things that you wonder, you know, was that racist? Or did they say that because I was black? Or would they say that or do that if I were not black? And so we asked people to tell us stories of what's going on so we could get an empirical assessment of just the real world today. It was actually a lot to digest some of the experiences that people were reporting, reading some of these raw and hurtful experiences that people are constantly targeted by was really um, a lot to take in, but it also really highlighted how important it is for us to really shine a light on these experiences and make people aware of the kinds of things that Black employees face at work all the time. We coded over 90 instances of racial microaggressions and we found three overarching themes, and those included things like anti-black stereotype expression, so things like assumed lower intelligence. Um, another theme was role assignment, so assuming someone was there to serve them or you know, telling someone in an elevator, hold this, open the door, move that. Um, and then the third example was um, interactional injustice, so invisibility acting like someone's not there, getting into their personal space, and also pathologizing their physical attributes. So telling a black woman, you know, your hair is unprofessional or touching. We saw a lot of people saying, you know, people just walk up and grab my hair. They ask a lot of questions, personal questions about it, and it makes them uncomfortable. Microaggressions are not micro because they're small, it's that they're interpersonal. So they're things that people may do or say that they may not intend for them to be rooted in racism or racialized stereotypes, but they are. And our quantitative um, effects show that it does harm people's work experiences. So organizations, although they have you know, policies and laws about overt discrimination, we also need some trainings about awareness of what microaggressions are. And we also need people to be open to acknowledging if someone says, you know, that felt racist. Even though you could say like, oh, it wasn't blatant, people need to be aware and open to knowing even if it feels like it is, it's harming that person. So I should address it. Context of white supremacy. So that is the video that is uh, on the Rice University YouTube page, Rice in Texas, uh, that is accompanying this report that was just published that we were going to talk about uh, Danielle King being the lead author. So Danielle King was the first v female voice that you heard who was talking about this uh, report, uh, why they were doing all of this and the impact of racism. It was a white woman who spoke next, who talked about the impact of reading all of these stories and, you know, it just the impact that it had in seeing all of this 
Right, right, right. And then you heard uh, Danielle King again, and she was explaining microaggressions. And that was her saying that they're not microaggressions because they're small, but because they're interpersonal and maybe the person isn't aware. And she said maybe people uh, are not aware and they need to be open to hearing that. It, that was all Danielle King right there. Now, that's another one I point out. I see not identifying who is the source of all of this white people. And then the default is they're not aware. That's the same thing that we heard from Dr. Downey that that right there, I'm submitting that might be why she left. Cause I said, Hey, Dr. Downey was deliberately lying to us and practicing racism. And you have a lot of that. And especially in the workplace, they call it gaslighting. When white people lie, when you bring up that racism is happening, they're not, Oh, I'm going to be open to maybe that's possible. I'm not saying that it is racism, but I'm going to be open to that. And I'm going to be more aware about that. No, 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 no. They gaslight. That's the tag. It's not racist. That's just your perception. I think you're just overly sensitive. You, you just can't take a joke. They're just, that's never been my experience. Well, I've never, that's what they do. We also have been trained. You get in trouble trying to be too honest about racism, white supremacy, and even thinking that white people are doing this deliberately, that it's not just that white people are dumb and ignorant and stupid. And that's why we keep having these problems. Incidentally, one of the terms that came to mind when I read this, because a lot of this is not new, right? Like black people being mistreated in the workplace and black people being mistreated about their hair in the workplace. Like it is 2022. Chris Rock did good hair over a decade ago. The preeminent race scholar of the last century. But he did that a decade ago. Like none of that is new Dr. Welsing talks about that paralysis of analysis what should be done that's what I try to get to in neutralizing workplace racism I think that's what Mr. Fuller talks about Edward Williams that's why I even wanted Daniel King on the program because man I feel like it's not enough resources if anybody knows any other resources that are constructive for black people who are experiencing all these problems that are so traumatic that the white woman talked about man share because there has to be something you got black people suffering all over the world as I mean billions of non-white people not just black people non-white people all over the world who are being mistreated in the workplace even if they are self-employed and we don't even talk about this on a regular basis not seriously and then the guest today to renege like that but paralysis of analysis I thought that repeatedly what should be done about all of this yes night we got I, even I should have asked how much did this study cost because I mean it costs money right to get all this done and blah 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 like how much did all it cost to get this done interview all these people because they pay I think they paid them like ten dollars so, I mean they had to have like at least three thousand dollars three thirty five hundred dollars to pay all these people uh for their time how much where did they get you know grant what how much money did they spend on all this anyway uh, but I mean, yeah, paralysis of analysis. We know black people are mistreated in a variety of different ways. What's going to be done about this? In my view, white ally, if it's we're going to inform white people, that's not going to solve this. But that gets back. Who is more? I did have that up. How? Who is more informed about white supremacy, racism, white people or non-white people? Because if we're going into this thinking that white people are ignorant and what we need to do is educate them, we will lose and we'll lose for like forever.
if it's non-white people are ignorant which is what I've concluded and we need to be better informed so that we can make better decisions she even used the word code in there like I said that we need to have a code a strategy in place strategies really in place that we use based on logic to help us solve problems in the workplace that don't create new problems neutralize attempts to practice racism against us as best we can that's what we need not jargon not white allyship whatever that means um, and even as, as I was going to say this is the exact opposite like many of the things that she talks about in the report they are the exact opposite of many of the suggestions that I offer on neutralizing workplace racism that for me wasn't an oh no we shouldn't talk to her it was just I was going to point that out that what she calls co-rumination talking to your other co-workers colleagues that's something I regularly discourage why you don't have teammates in the workplace even if they are classified assigned as black racially so what Dr. Downey talked about black spies and we've had tons of cows listeners who have talked about, hey, dang, this black person was going and snitching on me and all the rest of it. Like, hey, psh, you're going to be an army of one in the workplace. You're not going to have white allyship, black allyship. <laughs> like, you better be an ally to yourself, which you can do. But just I've seen too many times where folks get in a lot of trouble thinking that they have homies. And she even had some people where they talked to like many, many people <laughs> that they worked with about a situation and I mean wow that is I'm just of the opinion that would be asking for more problems if you talk to 10 people it might be that all 10 of those people tell at least one other person it might be that only one of those 10 people tell somebody else but I mean whoo you had better be prepared if you go and talk to anybody white or non-white whatever I say I'm prepared for this to be repeated to everyone who has who does, who will be employed for this organization. Just going according to logic. Safety, really. Uh, anything else? Yeah, paralysis of analysis. That That phrase did come to mind as I was studying all of this. What is to be done? about all of this it's 2022 like we really should be everybody the cows everybody it should be a lot of what should we be doing a lot of components of this we know or we should know people who don't great we can explain that as we go but as we are explaining what should be done and most of the time that is sorely lacking uh, workplace and beyond and particularly if it just comes down to we need to try to better inform educate white people Miss uh, total miscalculation of the problem, and that is, you know, common. <laughs> hey, the evidence remains. Gus T might be guilty of that himself. Worthless Negro from Virginia said at the start. Any other folks uh, commentary that they want to make sure they got in uh, anything uh, based on the uh, audio segment that we we heard, what we got to hear from Danielle King or anything else. Maybe heard. Uh, that's our caller uh, two two six two. Yes, sir. 
Uh, yes, thank you. Um, uh, I just wanted to ask, um, I believe I sent an email. Uh, just to make, make sure you got it. How about the Sundown Town thing? Oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Receive it. Right. Much obliged. We will uh, We will discuss. Thank you, Kylie. I'd asked about that before, about uh, better terms than Sundown Town. Any other folks with commentary they want to make sure they get in? Everybody satisfied? Got everybody? Grant, we'll assume folks are satisfied. Uh, if you would like to drop uh, Danielle King, Professor Danielle King, an email, uh, her email, Danielle D, as in dynamite, D A N I E L. L E dot D as in dynamite dot K I N G at rice dot E D U. Drop her an email and ask, but hey, I was looking forward. We were talking about microaggressions on the job. I was all looking forward. It seemed so well synced. And then what gives? Maybe she'll explain, you know, and maybe it'll be logical. Maybe, you know, Gus T was acting, uh, you know, acting a fool, said something shouldn't have been talking about Dr. Downey, you know, or uh, Jackie Robinson, uh, <laughs> blackmail, uh, forgot, make sure I get it because he's not mentioned Moses Fleetwood Walker. Maybe I should not have mentioned him. Dr. Down, not sure. Zachariah Walker. Chris Rock, who knows? She might she might be upset with Chris Rock too. Many people are. I'm not sure. The preeminent race scholar of our times, Chris Rock. Uh, but anyway, we will be here uh, tomorrow, Thursday. We will conclude Essie Mae Washington Williams. Wow, I'm so glad that we read the book. Uh, that's how we had Dr. Downey here uh, on Monday. Might have some other guests associated with that book as well. Uh, but I learned so much uh, the Savannah River Nuclear Facility and uh, Judge Matthew J. Perry even about J. Strom Thurmond lots more that I didn't you know know about him before we started reading the book uh, it has just been uh, View Park forgot that from last week uh, Julius Williams Essie uh, Mae Washington Williams husband who died at 46 who was a law school graduate talk about workplace racism a law school graduate and could not get a job and when he was employed couldn't get promoted couldn't get raises and things dies at 46 I'm so glad not that it has been like wow this is a fun book and oh this is good no saddest book ever but wow it is so informative uh, we'll conclude tomorrow and we will have President Joe Biden he was not commander in chief at the time of the eulogy but whoo President Joe Biden giving the eulogy for old Strom and I think he you have to listen closely it'll be right at the beginning but I think he gives a shout out to uh, S.E. May at the beginning like he's talking 
uh, he mentions like the family members by name and I think he says oh hey Essie blah 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 I mean this is when he was a center but still like dang was she like front I guess we'll see we'll see tomorrow 8pm Eastern 5pm Pacific Essie May Washington Williams dear senator same time 8pm Eastern 5pm Pacific and then we'll be here Friday for neutralizing workplace racism uh, normal time 8pm Eastern 5pm Pacific hopefully with constructive strategies attempted counter racist code and logic to help solve problems neutralize so called microaggressions racism in the workplace Omar Thornton keep that in mind why this is so important to talk about or Dow Tucker Mr. Larson pick the one nigger boy on the plane many reasons why this is important to discuss Danielle King's email one more time you can drop her if she responds please let me know that way I'll be informed uh, but again it'll be white guests only so you know it won't matter too much with non-white people her email again is danielle.d.king at rice.edu victim of white supremacy professor Danielle King did renege wasting my time and energy all of that said much obliged for the folks who uh, were with us uh, wish we could have had our guests hopefully we were able to con- cover a few constructive items uh, give some constructive things for thought for folks who uh, listened in live or archives all of that said sobriety would be best cannot emphasize enough Zachariah Walker Many reasons to keep the brain computer functioning optimally. Uh, in addition to being sober, when you're out and about, hey, you should be thinking these folks could be armed, male, female, entourage, whatever. If you did not leave your residence, prepare to kill and or die right now. Exit. Call enforcement officers, whatever you need to do as you are vacating the premises. All of that said, creator, we ask that you help us remain patient with other black people, victims of white supremacy. We ask that you help us remain patient with ourselves. Remind us to demonstrate the highest levels of black self-respect at all times, in all places, each and every time we are in contact with another black person it has been time replace white supremacy with justice immediately cow signing out thanks all for tuning in nigga you so brainwashed i'm a victim What's brother your problem? you're a victim uh, i'm a up. victim of 400 years of conditioning shut up the man has programmed my conditioning mm-hmm. even my conditioning has been conditioned uh.